And we're back with another episode of Give Me the Money Podcast with your boys. How's How are we doing tonight? Doing, brother. Doing good. Doing good. A lot of sports to talk about. A lot of sports. Yeah, that's that's what we like. That's kind of what we're here for. Talk about <laughs> sports. Talk about a little betting also. Um, so I got our sheet up. Uh, let's start up. Start out with probably the biggest news. Mm-hmm. Uh. For hang on, just let me double check. Yeah, we're recording. Uh, but let's start off with the biggest news pretty much in the sports world, kind of at this stage. Like, there hasn't been much going on in NBA, we're still six days out from the Super Bowl. But uh, it's NFL news, it's the Goff Stafford trade. Great trade, yeah. So, we'll talk about that. I have a bunch of different takes on the matter both like winners and losers what i think is going to happen all sort of stuff like that and uh just to start let's just start off i'll i'll read off what the complete trade was so the line sent stafford to the rams for jared goff and first rounders in 2022 2023 and uh 2021 third round pick so uh, like for my first couple thoughts, I, the extra picks were to take on Jared Goff's contract to unload that. Uh, if it, he didn't have such a fucking large contract, I think, and it's it's such an awful contract for a guy. Yeah, it would have back at his caliber. He's yeah, not, and it's like he did not play, like he played pretty bad. Like, uh, take out of the equation him fucking up his his thumb or whatever and having that surgery. But even before that, he was so up and down. He was really he was nowhere close to living up to the contract that they signed him to. And consistent football player. Yeah, so that they had some injuries in the wide receiver core, not making an excuse for him, but like he a it's uh he's he needs a good system, but also the pieces in the system weren't truly there. So that hurt him a lot. Oh yeah. But uh, overall, I think the winners of this trade are the Lions and Matt Stafford. The, the Rams, they'll, it'll be a good trade for them if they win. If they get back to the Super Bowl and if they win a Super Bowl. Because they oh, get- Rams, oh, with the Rams, yeah. I think it's – think put it this way. Stafford's number since he's entered the league is ranked first in all of – Yeah, all the same. Touchdowns, everything, Hall of Fame numbers. Okay, now you put him in the system where you got Sean McVay, who's a genius, very good head coach, and now you're getting a quarterback that actually can move around, has a slingshot of an arm, and he's been in the league for a while. Okay, this guy, Stafford, deserves a chance to now actually be on a team that can afford players and actually pays wide receivers and running backs and has a pretty decent defense as well. Pretty decent defense? Oh. Very good defense, then. Yeah, so, a very good defense. The only, so here's my problems with the trade. So it's a good move. I think uh, moving on from golf is better. So it, oh, from the QB standpoint, as we all know, Stafford's an upgrade, and him being put in a good system with actual weapons to target, they don't – Rams don't necessarily have the weapons that uh, the Chiefs or the Bucks have. But it's still an upgrade for him. He's in a bet a system with a great uh, 
head coach, offensive mind. Uh, whereas the last several years, there's been a lot of coaching turnover with the Detroit Lions. So he hasn't really had much consistency nor a set system to play from. Like they're switching up the playbook pretty much every season. And we'll see. McVay's supposedly like a half quarterback guru, offensive guru, West Coast yep. system uh, type of guy. And I think that'll be good for Stafford. Plus, the defense will – like, they already have a good defense. The defense is what got them to the playoffs. But it makes their offense a lot better. They have Akers, the young running back, who's small, but he's actually, like, kind of a power back. Uh, and I don't know. I think I think they're looking good. But the where I say they're not a winner of this trade because, A, they have to win and prove that the trade – uh, provides dividends for them as a team, but also they don't have a first-round pick for, I think, like the next seven seasons or something because they have the Jalen Ramsey trade yeah, other moves they've made since McVay took over, which I don't necessarily – in some ways, I don't hate it because not just in the NFL but the NBA and other pro sports. So when you make a trade like of this caliber, you're getting – like a quarterback who has Hall of Fame numbers. Yep. Well, he hasn't won shit, done shit, really, barely made the playoffs other than like four seasons or so. Mm-hmm. But so think about it, especially with the NFL. So you're trading a first round pick. And really, how often do first round picks actually step in right away and really make an impact on a team that has championship aspirations, has been to a recent Super Bowl and was in the playoffs this season? But with injuries and all that, I ended up getting smacked. But they're – so, like, say they didn't make this trade. They're getting golf back from injury, kind of, like, faltering as a team. They're not – they kind of plateaued after the ex- explosion with golf and McFay. So, offensively, they're not really all that they were chalked up to being. So, but say they didn't make this trade. They keep keep golf. They're run- – basically running it back from last season, but they're taking, they don't have the first round pick this year. So they're giving away a 20, uh, 22 first rounder and 2023 first rounder. So with that, you're not making, say they didn't do this trade and they don't make improvements, whether in free agency or other trades to boost like the rest of the team outside of golf and Aaron Donald and Ramsey. Yeah. Then you're drafting, players coming out of college that are going to have to get acclimated to the NFL speed of play playbooks, all new terminology and other aspects to the game that might not necessarily have been part of playbooks in college. So there's a big step for them to get acclimated, but also when you also need them, they're not going to, most players don't step in as a rookie and really contribute and make a positive impact on teams like playoff teams or teams that are trying to make a run at the champ at the, at the Super Bowl. that. And like, even so, even if they're good players to start their career, they still need time to develop. And with this, they they're kind of in a window, especially with this defense because Aaron Donald will see how much longer he can play at this level. Ramsey, like the defense defenses come and go and you can build a defense decently quickly but they're in probably i would say like a three four year window so but like if they were to keep the picks draft the players 
that's outside of that window anyway. And like if you're you're trading picks that are kind of that it's literally gambling. Because yes, oh, wait, you might evaluate making a good pick on paper, but you still have to there's still a chance that it's not the right system, right team for that player, and also you want them you need them to develop. So you're trading future picks, which are more valuable now than say in the NBA where they kind of like draft a uh trade like players for draft picks when you know who's going to be drafted kind of like what the nets did flipping sadiq bay for shamit but like they're get they're getting a proven player so you know what that guy being stafford who as we said before is putting up hall of fame numbers offensive numbers passing yards touchdowns and whatnot at this point in his career so you know what you're getting from him and you're going to be plugging him into a better offensive system I think that's a good move on that front. But there's the, the other side. So say they don't do well and they're playing in a ridiculous conference where for like a couple of games, like if it was a couple points either way, like in the reverse, they don't make the playoffs. They're sitting in, in the position of the Cardinals and the 49ers. 49ers mm-hmm. who didn't have their starting quarterback. The Cardinals mm-hmm. were like absolute dog shit the last six games of the season. Yeah. And it was like, it was really like, three games that if a touchdown is scored, like touchdown worth of points is flipped the opposite direction, they're not in the playoffs. So, but also, so like say they don't do well in the next couple of years and the picks end up being like, say top seven, top, even top 10 picks, they're going to be fucked looking back at it. Like, damn, we really fucked up. Kind of like uh, what happened with the, the Texans trading the two first rounders to get Laramie Tunzil. The, the gas mask weed smoker guy for <laughs> him. And then one of those picks ended up being the third pick in uh, this upcoming draft, which they're trying to flip. Uh, they're trying to get back from Miami if they end up trading Deshaun Watson there. But like, yeah. this goes to show you because the, the Texans were in the running to be a, a contender, had a couple bad season injuries, what, what have you ended up getting rid of the fucking weapons that Deshaun Watson had. And now they're fucked with draft picks. They have no picks. So like, that's, that's the downside, but also it's pro sports. Like you, it's not a guarantee that even if you make a big move like this, that they're going to like, it's going to pay dividends. Agreed brother. Agreed. It's not, it's not going to, it's all a risk. It's all a risk. You see what happens. If they can make it back to the playoffs and we'll get back to the Super Bowl, then it's totally worth it. Totally worth as long as they're competing, it's worth it. Put it that way. Yeah, and it kind of like one thing you said, like that I think is very prevalent to this discussion regarding the Nets trade. If they don't win, then it's not worth it. Yeah. And with the Nets, that was also a big factor in that was because the Nets had like in the last eight years with the Garnett trade where they got fleeced, got a bunch of old bums, traded away their future, ended up coming back from that probably five five years before I thought they were going to. But that just goes to show you how things could change. And those picks ended up being Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, Nets trade away the pick to Lillard, uh, the pick to Colin Sexton, who's averaging like 24 a game for the Cavs. And then that pick ended up getting traded from uh, Boston, the Kyrie trade to Cleveland, how Sexton ended up going there. But that's just like, just using that as an example of how it goes to show that 
giving away a, a pick that even though you do, you think you're going to be good, but things could change in a year or two. So you never like it's sports so unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, hundred percent, bro. Got anything else to say on this matter? Should we move on to the NBA? Let's move on to the NBA. Y'all got a good amount of stuff to talk about the NBA. Yeah, uh, bunch of shit on our sheet. But first thing I want to lead off with Harden and Jokic won player of the week in their respective conferences. Jokic obviously in the West, Harden in the East with the with the Nets. Uh, Jokic capped off his week by giving Mr. COVID Rudy Gobert 47 on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was a very seven. <laughs> like, it was light work. It's a walk in the park for him. Yeah, and they they broke broke the Jazz eleven game winning streak. Uh, big, I really big win for for the Nuggets because they were sitting at I think before that game something like ten and eight. They were kind of like on the on the play out, like kind of in and out of the playoff picture, even though it's so early in the season just yet, but. Uh, still a big win, and putting up big numbers on probably the best defensive center in the NBA right now. Uh, on the Nets front, the Nets are setting fucking wild records. I don't know if you really looked at this, but so far, yeah, no. offensive rating, they're uh, number one in NBA history right now. And but also, the worst. they have the worst defensive rating in NBA history, both mm-hmm. all time. Yep. Yep, which is mind blowing. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but like if you really think about it, it makes a lot of sense because in getting Harden, they trip the Nets trade away their be- three best defensive players, Karis LeVert, Terrain Prince, and Jared Allen, to get back Harden. So you you make that trade in a heartbeat. But and that's <laughs> what I've been saying we've been no saying, center. Yeah, they have no center. Oh, they suck on defense. Bona fide backup, and like they need to make moves. To, whether it be to get a JaVale McGee or whoever, but they need depth at the center position and need answers on defense because they don't have it defensively because they gave up 147 to the fucking Wizards last night. Yep. Scored 145 back-to-back games, but, yeah, they could fucking score, obviously, and without Harden, they can't play defense to save their fucking lives. Kyrie can't guard a fucking traffic cone, let alone Russell Westbrook, who's – Shot out of a fucking cannon. Mm-hmm. He had forty-one. Beal had thirty-seven last night. Mm-hmm. KD also had thirty-seven. He had a, he looked fucking phenomenal, phenomenal. He did. He did. But, did you see that poster he put up? Oh yeah, bro. I was watching that game. I missed like most of the first quarter, eating dinner and whatnot. But like, was watch the rest of that game till the end. Right. Uh, Nets signed Shumper yesterday, but that that was a move. Like they, I think that at this point in the season, they need to fill needed to fill a roster spot. Otherwise, they would have faced a like a minor fine. Which all right, you Shumper should be playing on some team in the NBA, and he's a boost defensively. And his last uh, couple stints in the league with the Rockets and with the Cavs, he's become like an above average three point shooter. So he he could provide something to the Nets. Something being yeah. a plus, they still have to make a move. He's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> add, for, add on for defense, plus he's a, a spot up shooter. Think of like a PJ Tucker type of role where he's not going to really go iso ball, make moves off the dribble, but like passing the ball on the wing. And he, he's given enough space because the defense is getting sucked in with Kyrie, a Harden, or 
a KD. So it could be it could be a good move. We'll see how much playing time he ends up getting. But still, they, they still need to make a move for a big. But oh, even of course, with that one, with the Knicks, uh, Manuel quickly moved uh, up to fifth best odds to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, I took him like I don't know, like a week ago at fifty to one plus twenty five hundred, uh, and then now he's he's probably sitting at something like plus eight or nine hundred. Not sure what it's at right now, but. Saw something on Twitter the other day. FanDuel has him fifth best odds. He's such uh, a steal for us in the draft. Yeah, and you want to know how they end up getting that pick? The Porzingis. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, they had that pick, but then in the draft they traded it again. Traded it. They stopped picks to move up in the draft. Yeah, but he needs to. He needs to start. Alfred Payton was looking good to begin the season, but like. He's kind of tailed off, and Manuel quickly has been balling. Yes, he's a rookie, and he doesn't have, like, a really expansive offensive repertoire, but his floater game is fucking killer. Like, everyone and their mom knows he's about to shoot a floater most times. He's going up with a shot, and he still drills it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a steal. Happy we got him. Hey, listen, the Knicks, the, the Knicks have a, a, a very bright future. Yeah, they got a, a bunch of nice young pieces. See what ends up happening, whether they try to make a move. Like, there's talks they, they're targeting Levine, which could be a good move. It depends on what they have to give up to get Levine because he's playing at, like, an all-star caliber level, but he's just been playing for such bad teams that he doesn't get the recognition. Uh, because he's putting up all-star numbers. Last year, he he averaged like 25, 4, and 4, shooting like pretty good numbers from the field and from three. But the Bulls had uh, the fourth pick in the draft, were like the fifth worst team in the league. And also, you have a guy like Bradley Beal, who averaged 35 and 5 last year and didn't make an all-star team. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, but it's crazy, but also team was so bad. That it was it was empty numbers, kind of like what Stafford's been doing for the Lions for the last several years. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, so like that, and like that sort of thing, uh, kind of speaks to like my take from last episode on like MVP voting, but also like it's yes, you're put he's putting up numbers, but he was playing it was Bradley Beal and basically a bunch of fucking G leaguers. Yeah. Speaking of G leaguers, Dennis Smith Jr. asked to play for the G League. Which is good for him because if he'll go down there and guards and wings flourish in the G League. And like he's not getting time with the Knicks. So it's better for him. So say he could go ball out, put up like really good numbers, average like twenty five, then yeah, it'll boost his uh his stock as being draft capital. And the Knicks could actually do something with him, whether it be move him up to the team and give him burn or move him in a trade to say, get a, get a Zach Levine or make a move like, or, oh, yeah, yeah, no. or get something from him and get like, maybe like a late first round pick for a team who wants an uh, offensive uh, burst off the bench oh, or yeah. just something, or maybe get a couple, I don't know at this point, like getting a couple second rounders for him wouldn't be the end of the world. Because then you take the second rounders, either use them and uh, draft players or package that 
and flip it like you're doing my GM on 2K. Flip mm-hmm. second round is for a first and then package the first to get somebody better. But, like, they could do a lot. Like, I think that's both good for him and both good for the Knicks because it speaks volumes to uh, his professionalism because he's thinking, like, all right, like, I don't want to just sit on the bench. Like, the kid wants to hoop. He hasn't really gotten a lot of opportunity. He had, like, one year. Then uh, the match got Luca. Luca obviously is Luca. Very damn well, right? Give him the fucking ball. (laughs) Knicks last year, he wasn't getting burned. This year, actually, the reason why he doesn't get burned, because Alfred Payton's kind of proven player. Emmanuel quickly has been balling. You have RJ Barrett. Julius yeah. Randle is a leading assist man on the team. You have Austin Rivers off the bench. Like you got, you have pieces who are more proven. And also, like they're play, now they're playing some younger guys that where it makes sense why he's sitting. Exactly. Uh, just uh, also a little bit more recap: Lakers one by one against the Celtics on Saturday, kind of like an old school late 90s, early 2000s battle where it was uh, kind of low scoring, more defensive uh, battle. I mean, 95 uh, from today's standard, that's a low scoring game. Like I think last season, the low scoring team in the league on per game average was around like 103, 105 points a game. And that was like dog shit teams. Yeah. And, but like great, both two really good defensive teams. Marcus Smart, Smart's going to be out the next a uh, few weeks with the I think a leg injury. I forget, not like a nothing torn, but I think it was like a bruise, tweak or something like that. Yeah, I think someone his knee or something like that. Yeah, nothing terribly serious as of right no. now. Uh, Kemba looks like dog shit. Yes, he's coming back from injury. He went two for twelve in the game, missed the game winner. But uh, very funny that Celtics fans were saying that uh, when they signed Kemba that he is a better player than uh, Kyrie. No, that's bullshit. That's bullshit, but that that was them being hating-ass Celtic fans. Yeah. They were just pissed that he wanted out. Kemba wanted to go there, so they got Kemba. And it's not working out for them right now due to injury, but – if they have a healthy Kemba, they're going to be a hell of a team because although he's a terrible defender, you have healthy Marcus Smart, you have Jalen Brown, who's one of the – like even though he's a killer, he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. He's averaging like 22 a game, one of the best on-ball defenders and most versatile mm-hmm. defenders we have in the mm-hmm. league. His offensive game, bro, he's a knockdown shooter now. His pulp in the mid-range is crazy. And then you have Jason Tatum, who's a, a budding superstar mm-hmm. and showing that he could – like you have a good argument where he could be the best defensive uh, player on that team who has Jalen Brown and Marcus smart who makes his money on playing defense and being scrapped, mm-hmm. which is fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's young Kobe. Who's taller and a little fun. Like, bro, let's be well, honest. He's also better defensively. He has better tools defensively, but bro, Kobe Kobe locked down when he needed to because he just had the mama mama mentality. Oh, 100%. 100%. But I'm talking about throughout the whole game with Tatum. Like, I compare him to Kobe 100%. There's so much Kobe in his game because they worked out together. Yeah. Like, Kobe basically took him under his wing. But, like, throughout the whole game, Tatum was a better defender as of so far in his career. Yeah, at this young of a stage, I agree with yeah. that. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But uh, <clears throat> also, let one thing I want to touch on: Kawhi's ever so quietly also being his persona, but also he's just not getting a lot. No one's talking about him in like NBA media, whether it be ESPN or like the bigger outlets. But he's averaging twenty five five and five on fifty forty ninety shooting. Mm-hmm. I know. For the season. Yeah. He's the MVP candidate that nobody's fucking talking about right now. Because it's Kawhi, bro. No one talks it's about Kawhi. Him. He just doesn't have the big persona. Like, Jokic is another quiet guy, but Jokic is putting up stupid numbers, was leading the league in assists for a while before the last, I don't know, like eight days. He's dropped off uh, down to assists but from then, but he's put uh, been focusing on scoring, which they've needed. Because Murray went out. He got ejected one game. And they, yeah. they've needed him to score, which is what an MVP caliber player does. Picks his spots. Think of LeBron. Picks games where he's going to go off with assists and other games when he's going to go out killing on the offensive end scoring-wise. But Kawhi, just being his persona and also he he's putting up, like, although not the same, like, efficient, efficient numbers shooting-wise, but, like, he has Paul George on his team. They're number one in the West right now. And Paul George is averaging like 24, 6, and 4. Yeah. Oh, the Clippers are rolling right now. I mean, record-wise, they're the best team in the NBA. They're rolling right now. And nobody's just talking to them because got two silent killers on that team. Yeah, they- but also another reason. Think back to last year the, uh, why LeBron wasn't didn't get as many votes for MVP because you have – a really good team, but also you have another guy who's like borderline in the top five as far as like MVP running. Yeah, LeBron had AD, and Kawhi has Paul George, who's putting up also silently putting up really good numbers. Mm-hmm. So like the last two weeks, Paul George is averaging like twenty eight a game. Uh, the Clippers play the Nets tomorrow at seven thirty p.m. All right, thank you, Apple Watch. I'm aware of that. Yeah, I don't know why that came up. Oh, because you mentioned the Clippers, but whatever. Um, yeah, the Nets playing the Clippers tomorrow. So for the Nets betting, I was texting Nick earlier. So he took the Nets again last night. Fucked mm-hmm. him. And I was just like, yeah, you got to – new move is take – like, because I was telling him uh, fade the Nets spread-wise to take their po- opponent's spread, which other than when they played the Thunder has been hitting – Every almost every game since they got Harden, uh, but now the move is takeovers because they're so bad on defense and the offense is fucking crazy. They put up one forty five back to back games, mm-hmm. stupid. But uh, let's just uh, let's end on NBA for this note. Let's just take a little look, see at the schedule we got coming up. Uh, we got Phoenix playing Dallas that just tipped off a little while ago. Uh, that's really the only other big game tonight that's worth mentioning tomorrow. As my Apple Watch just told us, we got the Clippers playing the Nets. Wait and see whether Harden plays. There's a little like leg contusion or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, big games, Memphis, Indiana at 8 o'clock. Um, and then Golden State, Boston is really only other big game. Wednesday, we got Philly playing at Charlotte. Indiana playing Milwaukee, Dallas playing Atlanta, Clippers playing Cleveland, uh, the Knicks are playing the Bulls, um, Minnesota's playing San Antonio, Phoenix, New Orleans, and Boston, Sacramento. 
So there's there's a, a good amount of games worth watching in the coming days. Yeah. But uh let's let's move on to a little bit of college hoops. So we got uh now like we're gonna take a little look at the new AP poll in a second. But right now, the game of the night, Oklahoma versus Texas Tech. Oklahoma just got bumped up to uh, number nine uh, from 24. But listen to this. And they're playing number 13, Texas Tech, currently in uh, wherever the fuck Texas Tech is in Texas. Texas. But, uh, what? In Texas. I said wherever the fuck in Texas. No, where in Texas? Yeah, I don't know where. But – uh. So interesting tidbit about Oklahoma. They're on their stock is on the rise. Obviously, now they're put. They're now the number nine team in the country. But they had in in the month of January, they had four wins against top ten teams. Yeah. They beat Texas. They beat Alabama on Saturday. Uh, forget who else they'd beaten in that stretch. Maybe I don't think it was West Virginia, but they had two other top ten wins. Uh, so we have. Gonzaga at number one, Baylor at two, Nova still at three, Michigan at four, Houston five, Texas six, Ohio State got bumped up to seven, Iowa down to eight, Oklahoma nine, as we said, Bama to 10, Tennessee at somehow is staying at 11, Illinois 12, Texas Tech 13, UVA 14, Creighton 15, Virginia Tech 16, West Virginia 17, Missouri 18. Wisconsin, 19, Florida State, 20, UCLA, 21, Florida cracked the top 25 at 22, Kansas, 23, Purdue cracked the top 25 as well at 24, and Drake, mid-major, Missouri Valley Conference, ranked 25, one of the last, I think, three undefeated teams in the nation, Baylor, Drake, and Gonzaga, top, mm-hmm. top three teams in the country. By some people's standards, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just wanted to highlight that real quick. Got a bunch of like other notes. Uh, so one thing I want to debate with you. I know you're not a huge college basketball guy, but just wanted to like pretty at, at the very least get a little conversation going, but also bounce some points off of you. Right. So in the so think about this. So um, real quick. Uh, I'm going to pull up uh, Gonzaga's schedule. So the topic for this little debate is, do you think – so Gonzaga's 17-0, Baylor is 16-0. Mm-hmm. What would you say to uh, Baylor being ranked one and not Gonzaga due to strength of schedule? Because as we said in – last week that the big 12 is the best conference in college basketball. Yes. So think about it. So, and whereas Gonzaga is playing in the West coast conference and their previous like big wins prior to conference play aren't looking as great as they did. So at the time they beat Kansas who was ranked six, Kansas is now ranked, 23 they look like dog shit they beat auburn by 23 and auburn didn't look good earlier in the season once they got sharif cooper a week and a half ago now they're starting to look pretty legit in the sec 
And at the time they beat uh, number 11, West Virginia, who's kind of on a little bit of a slide. They're still, they're still a top 15 team, but they're not the caliber they once were. Iowa still stands as a good 11 point win. Uh, and they blew out UVA by 23, who's so far up and down. They've had a, uh, they got busted by Virginia Tech Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, they were kind of looking like they, they're the no-brainer best team in, in the ACC. But then other than that, it's just all in-conference wins and pretty much all of them being blowouts. So you see 40-point 40, 40 win versus Northwestern State. 20-point win versus same team, 30-point Also win. averaging, like, 95 points on the season, Gonzaga. Like, there's just that big of a powerhouse where they're putting up numbers. So that's why I think – Yeah, and it's – yeah, it's no, that's hard. another reason. So it's no, it's really no different than normal. Like, they always – like, they typically just run through their conference no matter what. And yeah. pretty much – And maybe on the season right? have one loss versus uh, St. Mary's. And, like, it's a stronger West Coast Conference because San Francisco had a win over UVA earlier this year. Uh, BYU's 13-3 and on the season. They're, I believe, playing tonight or tomorrow. So they're a solid team. So there's three, like, borderline uh, March Madness-worthy teams. Whether or not they'll all will get in remains to be seen. But then, like, so, like, let's go to – like, let me go to Baylor real quick and reel off their wins because they – like they're 16 and 0, another one of the two, three undefeated teams in the nation, but they're playing in the Big 12. So, Baylor, they two easy wins to start the season, then beat number five Illinois, who's still, uh, where they rank like 12 or 12 or something, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then versus Texas postponed, and then couple like bunch of really really easy wins then they beat beat oklahoma who's now ranked number nine tcu who's a pretty decent team in the big 12 uh they won by eight against texas tech beat kansas by eight beat oklahoma state with kate cunningham uh and beat a good auburn team uh on saturday then they're playing Texas tomorrow. They have TCU, Oklahoma again, Texas Tech again, two games against West Virginia versus Oklahoma State, and then Kansas to end the season. So I think that really the only – I don't want to say like the only way they they leapfrog Gonzaga, but if they finish the season undefeated, that would be fucking incredible. They have a tough ending of the schedule compared to Gonzaga's. Oh, absolutely. Like – Gonzaga still has the potential to lose a game versus one of those three other good teams in their conference, but Texas could be like, they could lose to Texas. They could lose to Oklahoma. They could lose to Texas tech. They have two games against West Virginia and we'll see how, if Kansas gets things rolling towards the end of uh, regular season play. And also in the conference tournament, they're playing big 12 conference tournament. So there's, more potential for them to get a loss before we get to final rankings going into March Madness. Unless, unless Baylor somehow loses like three games the rest of the way, including the conference tournament, they'll still be a one seed. Gonzaga and Baylor are the two almost guaranteed one seeds, although 
We know college basketball isn't guaranteed, but they still like they're still both legit. And yo, did you see the shit that was going on today? So, uh, what's it called? Gonzaga had a game against Tennessee that was canceled earlier this year. Yeah, I don't know what what the source was, but there were talks that Gonzaga was going to play Tennessee because there was some like uh, COVID protocols thing going on with Kentucky, who Kentucky was is scheduled to play Tennessee Saturday, and for like a couple hours this afternoon, that game was in flux and they thought it was going to be postponed, so they were in talks to reschedule and Gonzaga was going to fly out to Knoxville, play Tennessee. But wow. now it's looking like Kentucky, they were supposed to play Missouri tomorrow. That game got moved to Wednesday. So it's looking like unless more positive tests and more contract tracing comes back, that it's going to hold for Saturday. So we'll see. So it's now looking like there's going to be no big game for Gonzaga, but I forget. I was seeing something on Twitter. They have uh, this potential they could get another Power Five game on either Saturday or Sunday this weekend, which be, would be really good for them and good good to see as just like college basketball betters and fans see them play like an actual good opponent. Exactly. Exactly. Puts a test to it. Yeah, because they, they need to be tested because they'll go into the tournament – likely undefeated but and uh, as i said before their their non-conference wins aren't looking they're still good wins but they're not looking as good as they once were because a team like teams they've beaten have now fluctuated and trended in the wrong direction recently but they could be a team that doesn't have huge win margins the first couple rounds. Still gets it done because they're so fucking talented. Yeah. Suggs and uh, Corey Kispert are projected lottery picks right now. They have uh, Drew Timmy, Andrew Nemhar, the transfer from Florida. They have Joel Ayayi, uh and the big dude in the post, number 22, whose name is escaping me. But – and then they have, like, pretty good other bench players. So, like, they have a loaded team. And it'll be interesting to see. Like, they're also really good defensively. But if, like, they're, they're also streaky shooting-wise. So, we'll see how that goes. But they could have a, a couple close games and then start to get it going come March Madness time. But uh, let's get to some picks. So, right now, uh, Texas Tech-Oklahoma is 9-8. Texas Tech is up right now. Oklahoma at the line for free throw for the M1. Uh, but picks for tomorrow. So we got two system plays. Review on the system. When a ranked team plays an unranked team and the spread is between three and five. So you would bet the unranked team at plus three to plus five. That hits yeah. a 64% success rate so far in the season. Uh, the percentage was 61 going into this uh, college basketball season. But we have – initially there were supposed to be three system plays tomorrow, but then the Kentucky-Missouri game got moved to Wednesday as of right now, so now we're just sitting at two. So yeah. we have Ole Miss plus five against Tennessee. Ole Miss is the home team. 
Uh, and then Indiana at home plus three and a half versus Illinois. I'm going to be taking Ole Miss plus five. I'm going to see like that. It'll, I don't know if I'm going to take Indiana plus five because uh, plus three and a half. So I like that's still easy enough. We could get covered by the, by the ranked team. So I kind of like, I don't particularly care for that as a, uh, as a bet. But uh, we'll see how that goes. And then a couple other games I like tomorrow. Iowa minus uh, 10.5 at home versus struggling Michigan State. Uh, Morgan State playing, taking Morgan State versus Coppin State. That'll be depending on what the line is. If it's like a huge line, something like minus 11, I'm not going to touch it. And then Florida. Big line. Yeah, it would be a big line, and then Florida State a big line minus fourteen versus BC, who's three and eleven on the season. Uh, BC at, is at home, I believe, but I, I might f- fuck around and take that with FSU. Okay. And then the big games for tomorrow. So we mes- mentioned a couple top uh, four top ten games: Tennessee playing, Illinois playing, Iowa playing, and FSU playing. Then we also the big game. Might be the game of the week as of right now, but we have number six Texas at home versus number two Baylor. Baylor the favorite at minus six. Not sure if Texas is going to have all their boys back, but like I'm not touching the spread. But if I were to bet this, I would take Baylor. You got to ride the hot hand. Yeah, maybe the money line. It would, but like it's not worth it uh, money wise because it would probably be something like. Minus, like minus two fifty plus, and I don't usually mess with with uh if the numbers are that big. Uh, and then Wisconsin, who is ranked like eleven or so, uh, another good team, but they're or maybe nineteen. I I think they slid a bit, but they're minus seven at home versus Penn State, and Penn State when they were at home against Wisconsin on Saturday was a system play, I think, plus four, plus five, ended up winning outright by 10. And it's interesting to see. So Penn State was plus five Saturday, but now that Wisconsin is at home, the line's minus seven for Wisconsin. Uh, just thought that, like, I'm not going to touch it. I, I don't I don't like betting Wisconsin. They're, they're, so, they're so up and down. I just thought that was something interesting worth, talk, like, pointing out. Yeah, I agree. And then I said earlier, <laughs> Purdue cracks the top 25, ranked at 24. They're on the road at Maryland. Uh, even spread, PK. I would ride, I'm gonna, I, if, I were, if I were to bet on this, I would ride Purdue. You got to ride the hot hand. Yeah. Maryland's not really looking good, although they've had some decent wins, but they're Purdue's, Purdue's the hot team. Got to ride the hot hand and hope that they don't go cold the night you bet on them. Yes, sir. Uh, go a little Wednesday picks. Some games I like. I like San Diego State versus New Mexico. Houston versus Eastern Carolina. Houston at, ranked at number five. Unless, like, the spread is fucking huge, like 16 or more. Because Houston's been covering. Nah, but Houston's been covering everything the last eight games. Everything. Uh, also, St. Bonaventure versus St. Joe's. I like Bonnie's and Bowling Green versus Western Michigan. And then we'll talk about uh, and then a couple bigger games just want to highlight real quick. Number 10, Bama on the road at LSU. Uh, had a close one uh, 
I think like a week ago today, Syracuse at home versus Illinois. Uh, no, versus Louisville, sorry. Uh, Louisville got a bunch of good wins since they've been mounted out of the top 25. They're uh, 11-4, and four, Syracuse 10-5 and five on the season. So still two teams that are likely going to make the uh, NCAA tournament barring a fucking, like, shit show. Uh, mm-hmm. Number three, Villanova at St. John's in Queens. And number 14, UVA at North Carolina State. Some games to watch the next couple days. And the last thing I want to talk about, uh, the Arenado trade. That's a big trade for the MLB. I'm so disappointed that it didn't go to the Mets because there were rumors that he could have ended up with New York. But – they probably were asking too much of a trade package to come out of the Mets. But. Yeah, it was probably huge, and, like, the Mets have made a lot of moves, so they might not necessarily have, like, the full draft capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hang on. I'm trying to pull up to see, like, the full details on the trade because there's been, like, some additions to the trade within the last, like, four or five hours or so. Uh. Wow. So this includes $50 million in cash going to the Cardinals? Mm-hmm. To pay for his contract because his contract is yeah. astronomical. Yeah, his contract, six years, $199 million remaining. Mm-hmm. And, as well as waiving the no-trade clause for Arenado, which mm-hmm. is done. Um, the Rockies are receiving multiple players. Not all names are finalized. And according to Ken Rosenthal, uh, three of the players listed are left-handed pitcher Austin Gomber, pitched for the Cardinals in 2018-2020, outfielder John Torres, Cardinals' number nine prospect, according to MLB par- uh, Pipeline, and first baseman Luke Baker, the Cardinals' number 23 prospect. Rosenthal speculates that uh, Cardinals' number, 23, uh, number 13 prospect, Angel Rondone, a right-handed pitcher, and right-handed pitcher Jake Woodford, uh, who debuted, had uh, 12 games last season as possible additions to that trade. So that, that makes things interesting for for the National League. Like, as we know, the Mets made a lot of moves and they're starting to look like a contender with your boy Uncle Steve. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's check out the, the Cardinals' like projected lineup. It's kind of nasty. With Goldschmidt back to back, that's, that's dirty. Goldschmidt's yeah. is putting up 40, 40 bombs, 100 RBIs a year. And so, same thing with Arenado's, like, sitting around like 35 and 100 every year. They're both hitting over 300, probably around 290. Really. Yeah, so they got Tommy Edmond at second, leading off. Paul DeJong at short, Goldschmidt at first, Arenado at third, Dylan Carlson, uh, outfield, Dexter Fowler, outfield, uh, Andrew Kisner, catcher, and Harrison Bader, outfield. Also, let me just say that I know three out of those eight guys. (laughs) Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Dexter Fowler. Never heard of them. Yeah, they're young guys. They're not really big names or anything, but they have a solid team, solid defensively now, that's for sure. You got the best uh, first baseman defensively in the league, Goldschmidt, and you got the best defensive third baseman in the league in Arenado, which is big on the corners. 
that's where you want to be strong. You want to be yep, strong. Exactly. And Fowler, Fowler's your center fielder. He's a great defensive goal goal. Yeah, center. you know the wheels that motherfucker has. Yeah, he's got wheels out there. So they got a they got a real solid solid team. And yeah, they're basically trying to take all the Rockies' former good players. Yeah, literally. Much. Literally. Um. Got it. What's uh? How are we looking in the Rangers game? Because that's probably starting to wind down. Two one. Two minutes left in the third. Rangers up. Yeah, they need this win. Oh yeah, they definitely do. Because what's the record? They're they're not doing too hot. So like two five and one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's they're coming uh... out. You know, flying in the third period, and they've been beating them in the third period. The four check from well, Pittsburgh just pulled the pulled the goalie. Yeah, hopefully the Rangers could talk. Down the line. Oh, I missed the open there. I see. Yeah, they're going to need a win here. That's for sure. They lost to Pittsburgh the other night with a heartbreaker. Yeah. You have two goal leads twice in the fucking game, and they still fucking lose. Yeah, man, that's tough, but that's just professional sports right there and sports in general, like high level, including like college sports. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Oh, that's for You're going to be like the Nets. Blew, they were up 18 in the first half and up losing to the fucking Wizards who were 3-13 and 13 coming into that game. You like Russell Westbrook who couldn't shoot, shoot a basketball into the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Ended up letting him get forty one, but that's because uh, Kyrie. But like that, like that's just sports. Like you're gonna win some games, you're gonna lose some. The Nets were uh, before the loss last night. They were technically second in the East, so they probably dropped to like the fifth seed because uh, how close everything is so early on in the season. But uh, yeah, that shit just happens, man. Yeah, bro, that's sports. That's why we love them. Got any other hockey news you want to talk about? Any takes so far on the season? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I mean, you're the resident hockey expert on this pod, so you got to give us some substance here. Listeners want something. Well, the uh, ten players from the Devils just tested positive for COVID, so the Devils are going to be out for a minute. They ain't going to be playing anytime fucking soon, so that's going to fuck up the scheduling. I don't know how they're going to fucking work that in because they're going to miss at least. You like, like the Wizards. For like the last several weeks, they'll be like postponed. Like they'll have to go into strict quarantine. Likely end up not playing five or so games, depending on like when uh, the players stop testing positive, and whether they that be uh, players who test uh, who are asymptomatic or show symptoms. Because like then we like also just throwing it back to the NBA because we have a little more substance as far as like ship happening with covid jimmy butler was out three weeks with covid and that was just one player but also the heat also had other guys due to contact tracing that were out so they're playing a bunch of bench players and duncan robinson uh but yeah that's just the nature of what we're going through during uh these current seasons during these covid times it's going to happen and as far as hockey that's really like the first team that's going to be out uh missing a significant amount of games, but that's one thing that's got to be taken into account so far. You got to plan for that, but also got to take it with a grain of salt because yes, like that type of shit's going to happen. And yeah. Oh yeah. 
this this day and age now, they just gotta adapt to it. Rangers won three one. Aaron squad. There we go. Point five left on the clock. You put it in the net. Love it. Put them on the stat sheet. They look good coming out of the third period. They're full checking. Really, really good. Another take on the Rangers, real quick before we end this. Tony D'Angelo, we just re-signed in the offseason. Stud defender. Rangers caught him yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. So what happened was he went – they had a fight in the locker room. Him and Georgiev, the backup goalie for the Rangers, like a fist fight. It was bad. So they got rid of him. But he's had a bad pass um, before the Rangers got him a couple of years ago. Uh, there was stories, uh, racial stuff, like he called, you know, all that type of stuff. But the Rangers took a chance on him. And, you know, he cleaned up his act. But, you know, they went after him. up enough. Still a head case. It's kind of like uh, – with like the Seahawks getting Josh Gordon and the uh, the Pats signing Antonio Brown didn't ultimately work out, mm-hmm. but now we see Antonio Brown in a better situation in Tampa, living with uh, darling boy Tom Brady. But like, it ultimately depends on the situation. Yeah, we're in COVID times, but also for someone who has a iffy pass, no matter what sport, playing in New York City in Manhattan might not necessarily be the best thing because of all the media. Mm-hmm. So much. Uh, yeah, clubs aren't open, but, like, just the ability for, like, a lot of uh, off-the-court shit uh, that could go down, you know? Oh, so, a lot of, like, off-court, off-ice distractions. So, might not necessarily be the best place for him. And I'd imagine that another team's going to take a chance on him when when we get closer towards the end of the season, going into the playoffs. Oh yeah, going to be a team trying to make a run run at the cup that wants to make a move. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And maybe like and, and the Rangers, they're a really young team, so you don't you don't want a head case like that with a teammate like who's based primarily with a bunch of really young guys. Like he, that's, that's a very young. People. And like you're gonna want bet like older, better veterans like around them to help mold them, build them, and show them how to be a pro. But if you have like you could go to a better team that has a lot more established players, so you could fit in and buy into what the existing identity of the team. Because Rangers really don't have an identity right now. They're struggling because they're so young, losing some close games, but uh the better team uh, could have a better chance to fit in and make an impact. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, Rangers are supposed to play the Devils on Saturday, but that's already been postponed. Yeah, that'll be done. Like they said. Rangers so. will just get a, a little extra break. Yeah. The, schedule. The, next, the next game is Thursday, Washington, which is Washington's on a fucking roll. Yeah, that was that still was still undefeated. It's not a long game this season. What? They're still undefeated, Washington. They haven't lost the game. Really? Yeah, and that They're was supposed to be the turn of Lundquist playing the Rangers till last should happen. Yep. Yep. Six oh and three. Technically three losses with the overtime losses, but you still got a point out of it, so it's not an actual loss. So they're still technically undefeated. Rangers are sitting now. <clears throat> They're going to be after tonight. They'll be sitting at three, four, and two with eight points. And Washington's in first place in that division with fifteen points. It's not horrendous for like <laughs> a lot of time. Rangers also have the least amount of games played in the league. Yeah, so they'll not 
not just them, but there's a lot of teams only played eight games so far. Florida has the least amount of games played with six. And Dallas and Tampa. Because of all COVID bullshit. That's why. Yeah. Be up and down. Let's see what happens. Like, we've got, like, say, college basketball. There's teams that have played 20 games, and there's also teams throughout uh, Division One that have played, like, maybe six games so far. Yeah. Even though there's, like, 300 fucking teams in Division One college basketball, but there's – just goes to show that they're, like, COVID has a big impact. On oh, yeah. Absolutely does. Absolutely does. All right. Uh, I think we'll end on that note. I'll get this out. So we're recording. This is now Monday night. It'll be out Tuesday before early Tuesday afternoon. And we'll get back to you with an episode Thursday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Give me the money podcast episode five. Boys are out. Peace.